Welcome to the Farm Bits Podcast, a product of Nebraska Extension Digital Agriculture. I'm Jackson Stansel. And I'm Samantha Teton. And we come to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews and panels with experts, producers, and innovators from all sectors of digital technology, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, FarmBits followers, and welcome to the 42nd episode of the FarmBits podcast. We are continuing on in our Precision Crop Protection Series by welcoming Ethan Knoll of Ag Partners Cooperative. Ethan is the Digital Ag Team Lead at Ag Partners, and he is based out of northeastern Kansas. In his role, Ethan has brought several digital technologies for precision crop protection to the Ag Partners offering, including Rantizo and Tyrannus. In this episode, we will dive into how Ethan is using those technologies, how he sees them working together for the benefit of farmers, what makes those technologies attractive to work with, and how he envisions the industry evolving in the near future. It was great to get Ethan's perspective, so let's get right into our interview. Uh, I'm Ethan Knoll. I uh, I grew up in Northeast Kansas on a farm, raised hogs and cattle, and then went to K-State for four years, majored in agronomy, uh, with a, a focus on soil and environmental science. Uh, and I got a secondary major in environmental uh, and natural resources. Um, and then I went and worked for the NRCS for two years as a soil scientist in Northwest Wyoming, uh, did some initial mapping up there, and then moved back uh, to home uh, to work as an, uh, a sales agronomist for about five years before I took the job I have now. My current job is is the head of digital ag for Ag Partners Co-op. Um, and so we, we cover, digital ag covers a lot of different aspects. You know, we cover monitors, we cover precision, uh, soil sampling, grid sampling, zone sampling, tissue sampling, uh, planting scripts, fertilizer scripts. Um, and then we, we do a lot with trials where we try out, out products for uh, different companies. And, and uh, that led us to Rantizo and, and doing a lot of trials through their drones. Um, but then lately, we've also gotten into Tyrannus scouting. And, and we use, have used some drone deploy scouting as well. But um, we've really... Uh, like the terrain of scouting, gotten really uh, high definition images and really good weed, nutrient deficiency identification, insect identification, stand counts. It's uh, it's really moving fast. So, but that's, that gives a little bit about my background, I guess. I've been in this role now for about a year. I've been working with the digital ag side for about four years total. Uh, sure. That answers your questions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's a really good introduction to kind of some of the things that we want to talk about in this episode, getting into some of the crop protection technologies. And I'm, I guess to kind of start us in that direction, what exactly was it that made y'all decide to pick up um, these technologies, try to add them to your repertoire there? Was it the growers that were really pushing you to try to add some of these or is just this kind of a focus of ag partners to drive some some innovation here? Well, uh, it's been Ag Partners' focus to, to be on the leading edge. Uh, our customers, um, you know, they, they've got any they've got any number of retailers to choose from, and, and you're getting more and more pressure from uh, internet businesses like FBN. And so anyone can offer a product, but who's going to bring the service? 
And, and so that's why we've always been trying to be on the leading edge on that service provider. Uh, and so anymore, since anyone can offer any product, we had to offer it in a different way. Um, and so customers weren't necessarily looking for precision application, but uh, I try to keep my eye on any new technologies coming out. And, and they ran Tizo. They were really kind of getting started in 2018. I noticed that, uh, an article about them, in, I think the Farm Journal in 2018. And so I kind of kept my eye on them thinking, yeah, that's the direction I'd like to go in the future. And when they're ready, when we're ready, we'll jump in. Sure. And so uh, we jumped in this spring and I've already got six drones. Uh, <laughs> I can't hardly keep up with the demand. And wow. I, I've been doing anything from like, I've been doing a lot of alfalfa and wheat. Uh, I've done some odd crops like sand foin, um, hmm. done a little rye, but the big part of our market so far has been crops that guys don't want to clean out their sprayer for okay. you know it's it's a lot of work to clean out that big ground rig uh just to go do a you know a 16 acre patch um and so we've been doing a lot of small jobs just for that reason sure uh and and i've, I've got another job here for alfalfa seed um and we're going to be applying insecticide on his field uh to help protect it from insect pressure, but you know, he didn't want a lot of tracks out there either. So it really works out well for him. And then I, I really see a future in pairing uh, our, our train of scouting with the Rantiza drones for certain things like nutrient deficiencies, uh, really tailoring our, our top dress applications to certain parts of the field and not the whole field. Uh, and, and even that way for insecticide. Uh, you know, if, if all we got to do is the outside, you know, 100 feet of a field, that saves the customer on insecticide product and, and potentially reduces the amount of beneficials that we kill or, or injure and maybe even helps the, the bees, uh, honeybee populations out there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, I think those are a lot of different, you know, advantages of using a UAV to do this sort of spraying. And I, I guess you've kind of spoken to this already, but when we're thinking about efficiency of these different applications, right? We're looking at aero applicators, ground rigs and, and, and UAVs. What is your perception of how all these kind of work together within this space to, to build a, a comprehensive solution? Yeah. Uh, I don't think drones, at least the way drones are right now, are going to replace planes and ground rigs. You know, I just can't get enough acres done in a day to, to completely move from one to the other. Um, <clears throat> the, the planes are still going to be doing, you know, those big quarter sections, half sections, because uh, they can just do it so much more efficiently and at a cheaper cost. But when you involve fields that are little patches or areas that have a lot of trees around them or even power lines, mm-hmm. how good of a job can a plane really do? especially if it's a little patch they're they're sitting there just circling the field the whole time and you know really hard to get to the edge of that field and so i I think there's going to be there's a lot of demand in northeast kansas because we we still have some fairly steep hills some trees and it's just really hard for a plane to do a good job of it and as far as a ground rig goes uh ground rig's still going to be doing a lot of these acres especially corn and soybeans primary crops and 
the drones just make those ground rigs more efficient. If they don't have to flush out to go do a small job of alfalfa or, or whatever, it makes them that much more efficient. They can get more acres done in a day. And so they can give me the small jobs and I'll go do those with the drones and probably even do a little better job. Um, but uh, I, we're, we're not going to replace them, but yeah. one of the other perks of drones is, is if that ground is too wet for that ground rig to get out there, yeah. I can still go out there and spray, which is why part of the reason I'm kind of tired is because yeah. <laughs> there's not too many days I can't apply. Right. And so um, really the only thing that keeps me from uh, applying is, is rain. Like if it's raining the whole day, uh, or if it's too windy sure. and, you know, my, my wind limitations are about the same as a ground rig, you know, 15 miles an hour is, is about the same. And so, uh, the drone handles it pretty well. It's a pretty good sized drone and, and wind doesn't make it shift too much, especially if you fly, uh, against the wind and with the wind, you don't see as much tilt in the drone. So, sure. um, but, uh, they, to answer your question, you know, I think they will all work well together and you won't see one replace the other, um, but you'll see some of those bigger machines get more efficient. So can you put some numbers to that? What kind of is the, the acreage per hour, kind of that productivity rate that you're looking at with like a Rantizo drone versus some of these other application equipment? Well, we just did swarm training last week, but I haven't done any swarming on a field just yet. Sure. Uh, but for a single drone, you're looking at about 14 acres per flight hour. And so uh, it just depends on how efficient I get filling the drone, changing batteries, and then getting all the chemical mixed and ready. Uh, but you're looking at a, like a big day for one drone would be uh, probably 80 to 100 some acres in sure. a day. Um, I, but like once we get swarming, we should be able to do if we're really good at it, uh, 40 acres an hour. Um, cause you're flying three drones at once and you're, you know, mm -hmm. keeping them going. Uh, you mentioned how a lot of the technology is kind of driven from the service side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, there, are there any situations where the growers are asking for more technology or are they excited about any, anything in particular? I, I, you know, I don't have customers coming up and asking me for this stuff just yet. Although, uh, I found that when I do customer meetings, some of the customers will be like, yeah, I was looking at that Rantizo stuff or yeah, I was looking at that mm -hmm. Tarana stuff. That is, it's awesome that you guys have this because I didn't think it'd be out yet. And so um, some of them just don't realize what all is out there and we just got to do a better job of marketing it to the customer. And so we've been doing some Facebook videos and, <laughs> like trying to advertise for like spraying bagworms and trees. Sure. So I've gotten a couple of calls about uh, spraying bagworms. I've had a, a lady down South uh, calling us about cantaloupe spraying or cantaloupe with the drones. Huh. There's like an acre's worth of cantaloupe. Um, and so we do occasionally get people calling and asking for it. Um, but it's those unusual ones that we're usually getting calls from because uh, we've advertised the Rantizo stuff and, and they're calling about it. I've had uh, several duck uh, hunters want me to go do some stuff too. One wants me to spray the lily pads in his pond. Uh, another one wants me or wanted me to spread some seed um, on some areas that were flooded. Sure. Because uh, he couldn't go out and, and plant them himself. So um, 
there, there's going to be a lot of unique uh, customers that we just aren't used to working with, I think. Yeah. And, and I'm yeah. even trying to look and, and spread this business into like the vineyard uh, territory because, I mean, there's some vineyards around Manhattan. There's probably some vineyards around Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some in southeast think, Nebraska too, yeah. Yeah, so I think there's going to be a demand for that uh, because it's just so easy to fly over those vines rather than just spray it by hand and, and cut their time in at least half, if not more. We, we've kind of talked about a bunch of different application use cases. I think we've already brought up insecticides, fungicides. Uh, we've talked about weeds now. And we talked about, you talked about the potential for site-specific nutrient management. I mean, mm-hmm. w- which of these do you see currently being the biggest ROI? And what do you think is kind of the biggest potential ROI out of these different application scenarios? Uh-huh. I know it's kind of putting you on the spot there, but. Well, I, I was talking to some of the Rantiza guys about this last week. And uh, the fungicide pays the bills because that is going to be 80% of our acres. Sure. But it's it's those odd jobs that you really make the money on because we charge a little more per hour um, <laughs> because of the uniqueness of them. Um, and so, and, and in those little jobs, because we have a minimum that we charge, like we actually make a little more per hour. And so uh, those are the jobs that actually make us the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's jobs in that off time. Because we, we know we're going to have that fungicide run it's those other jobs that's really going to kind of bring in the money because we just weren't really expecting them. But yeah, the fungicide is going to make up about 80% of that, I think. Yeah. And and on the farmer customer side, I mean, where, where do they see maybe not the most ROI, but the most value and kind of bringing this in, do you think, where, where do they see the most potential value? When I talk to the customer, I think the two things that they are the most excited about Mm -hmm. is that shatter cane run. Like I'm probably going to do a run here next week cleaning up some of these soybeans and tile lines because okay. um, they, they really hate going out there and driving in circles, trying to hit all these shatter cane patches. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that one has maybe the most, one of the most return on investment Yeah, because it yeah. saves them a lot of time and, and stress. Uh, but I suppose, I suppose the insecticide, because we can get out there pretty timely um, with our insecticide run and with insects, it's like that pressure can pop up pretty quick, especially on alfalfa and weevil. Uh, and just for the fact that we can get out there quicker than a ground rig, uh, because you usually have to wait for them to finish up their job on corn and beans to get over it, to switch over. And then I'm going to say insects on soybeans too, or corn, where I'm just maybe spraying some edges and cleaning up those edges on, you know, Japanese beetle or grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. leaf beetles. Uh, if I can clean those edges up without doing the whole field, they're going to save quite a bit of money on an insect uh, on insecticide. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I guess since you since you kind of brought up the insecticide again, I heard earlier you said that you're kind of using Tyrannus as a scouting tool, right? And mm-hmm. kind of seeing some some good efficacy out of their insect scouting. Maybe would you mind telling us a little bit more about how you're using Tyrannus to? almost inform some of your, your applications with the drone or even some of your own scouting? Yeah. So, so Tranus, uh, for those that aren't familiar with it, it, it's essentially grid sampling for scouting and they're taking a picture every two, two and a half acres and they can identify the weeds, nutrient deficiencies, 
uh, insect pressure, I guess, defoliation, but also to identify the insects uh, and then the stamp counts. But it, just like grid sampling gives you a better idea of what's out there for nutrients, this is going to give you a much better idea of what's out there for a field. How many, how many agronomists really truly do a great job of scouting for insects and defoliation when that corn is, you know, 10 foot tall? Guys hate walking through that corn, getting whacked in the face with leaves, walking out covered in orange rust. And I mean, it, it's not much fun. And, you know, allergies are bad from all the pollen. Yeah. And so and what are you actually seeing? And so you're not necessarily seeing all the defoliation, all the nutrient deficiencies. And on soybeans, you know, guys will spot check around the field, but are they getting into the middle of the field? Not necessarily. You know, you really got to do quite a bit of walking. And, and usually muddy to, to get out to that middle of the field. And so this is giving you a lot better idea of what's out there. Um, but it's also giving you a uh, history of the field. And so if, if a guy at the end of the year says, man, my, my corn was terrible, like what happened? We can go back and then look and be like, well, we're not seeing the nutrient deficiencies. We're not seeing issues with your stand count. We're not seeing issues with this. You know, if we're not seeing the issues, then we can kind of, we, we can figure out what caused it. You know, maybe it was a hybrid, maybe it was early, the early planting date, that cold snap or whatever. Um, but it, it helps having that history to back up the analysis at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it just, it's ultra specific. And so like what we see on the insect pressure is we, it'll go down to the 10th decimal uh, as far as defoliation. And so it'll tell you if it's, you know, close to that economic threshold or, or maybe telling you where a hot spot is. And then they even have a, a, a thing on their dashboard that shows the top 10 worst fields. And so it'll say, here's your top 10 weediest fields. Here's your top 10 uh, defoliated fields from insect pressure. And so it helps the customer prioritize which fields he needs to start on or maybe even just get to and, and the ones he doesn't have to worry about so much. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're seeing a lot of benefit from that Tyrannus scouting. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, so with Tyrannus kind of being used as a scouting tool right now, is there um, any option within the platform or any opportunity you see long-term to use it more as a decision tool, like for them to create prescription maps for say site specific spraying for, you know, whether it's insects, fungicide, weeds, anything like that. Yeah. Um, I currently have them and Rantiza kind of talking with each other uh, where, where Tyrannus can create a map and send it to the Rantizo drone. I also have kind of a, a middle man in EFC Fieldalytics. Okay. Um, they're our precision ag program. That's where we do our dispatch. <clears throat> and I really like their program for Rantizo because the way the DJI drones that we use for Antiza, the way they work is you have to import a shapefile or fly the boundary. Flying boundaries is really difficult yeah. uh, to get a very precise boundary. And so I prefer importing the shapefile. Um, and so EFC is really good at that because I can make seasonal zones, split a field up any different ways, and, and then I can export those zones as a shapefile. And so I also have Tranis sending all their imagery uh, in the future here to EFC field analytics. And so I can import that heat map of the weeds and then I can create my seasonal zones uh, for the Rantiza drone. And so it really makes a, 
pretty strong trifecta. I mean, you've got those three working together. Um, and then at the end of the year with EFC Fieldalytics, I can do all my analysis. I can do my profit mapping at the end of the year to see what paid, especially if I'm doing trials. If I'm doing a fungicide trial, then I can see that where I applied that fungicide, I had 10 more bushels of the acre and it cost me this much. I can pretty easily tell that return on investment across that field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but those three working together, and, and I, um, Trance is even talking to the climate where they import those heat maps, but uh, EFC is the main place that I'm creating those those work orders and those scripts for different zones that we're going to be applying. So that's I think that's awesome, and I, I'm just very intrigued as, as to your opinion on, you know, we, we hear a lot about automation in agriculture, right, and trying to create prescriptions. Where do you, do you see automation ever playing a role in that? Or as an agronomist, do you like having that final say about, okay, I see your heat map and I understand that, but I also have my own context about this field and, and my experience. Mm -hmm. And do you like being able to sit there and manually create those zones? Or do you think the efficiency that would come with automation is of value in that scenario? Um, I know Rantizo, they're kind of, uh, watching some of this data to really find, get to the fine points of, of how things need to be done. And so if we recognize like there's a hot spot in, uh, of insect pressure, you know, we probably want to expand it a little outside of that area. You don't want to just go to the edge of that because they're spreading as you're, you know, creating all this stuff up. And you probably want to be on the safe side of getting a little past that edge just to make sure you really uh, get all the insects that are there. Um, and so I think right now it's going to be more, um, conducive for, for me to create those scripts, uh, at least on the insect side, on the nutrient side, I think there could be some automation on the nutrient side that would be more efficient. Um, mm -hmm. but I've, I've always kind of had this me versus the machine mentality, you know, kind of like John Henry, uh, <laughs> where I, I feel like I can always beat the machine. So yep. until, until that day comes where I see the machine can beat me, I guess I, I like having that under my control and being able to do that myself. At least take whatever script is automatically generated and then being able to fine tune it and adjust it myself. Absolutely. The, the edit button is a critical, critical piece of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Very critical. Yep. Got you. So kind of along those those same lines and i'm sure zach will jump in here in a little bit with some more agronomic questions but coming at this from the engineering side because that's that's where i am what is it that makes you look at a product and say i really like using this or you know this is a super easy interface for me to interact with or i really want to try that like what makes a a platform attractive to you versus what are what are some of the major turnoffs almost immediately for a platform the things that I really like are a simple user face. You know, it's no different than Apple. Apple became so big because it was easy to use. Mm -hmm. um, and so a major turnoff for me is, is just, there's, there, it's not very simple. And so uh, any number of technologies a farmer uses, uh, a yield monitor, for example, he uses that two, maybe three months out of the year, and then he sets it down and doesn't use it again. And so when he starts using it again, eight months later, they're like, how do I use this? Yeah. Uh, what button do I push? And so the simpler it is, the fewer questions <laughs> the customer has for me or I have for the company. Um, and so that's a big deal. And the other big deal is, is they're willing to work with other companies. And that's something I think 
Tyrannus and EFC and uh, Antiza have been really good about is they're willing to reach across the aisle and work with these other companies because no one company can do it all. It just it won't happen. You know, a drone company doesn't necessarily want to get into that data analytics side. That's something for EFC analytics, and <laughs> and analytics doesn't necessarily want to get into the drone scouting side. It's just too much, too many pieces. Uh, but if they're willing to work together, they're much stronger as a whole than they are as as an individual company. Um, another big deal: anytime you're working with new technology, there's going to be issues. It's going to happen. Uh, and so having a really good tech support is a really big deal. And so I've dealt with companies where uh, you call them and they kind of just want to blame it on you kind of thing and, and they don't answer right away. And, and so those aren't companies I want to work with. I want to work with companies that have really good tech support uh, that can walk you through the issues and, and you know, be pretty uh, uh, sensitive to the fact that we're all learning this technology and, and we're usually called pretty frustrated and, yeah. <laughs> and mad that something happened. So, and it's a timely uh, business. It's important business. People have money on the line. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. The drone scouting, as far as like the insect defoliation and uh, maybe I'm guessing you probably have some NDVI sensors mm -hmm. as well. Um, how have, how have you used those or put them into practice for scouting? And do you still need to do any uh, ground truthing with that? And where do you see the most value in incorporating that into, into uh, crop consulting? Uh, so we have NDVI imagery from, it goes through Trans, but it's Planet Labs uh, satellite imagery. And it's pretty high resolution. Uh, but as I said earlier, the, the, the points that we take from the Trana scouting show you like a grid. And it, it doesn't really interpolate um, everything that's really truly out there. And so if you can look at the satellite imagery, that NDVI imagery from Planet Labs, and kind of compare that to the, the point scouting that you're seeing, sometimes you can correlate those. If I'm seeing a potassium nutrient deficiency, and it shows up everywhere that it's red on that NDVI map, that means I probably, that's the most limiting factor there, and I need to apply some form of potassium in that part of the field. Um, but also, nutrient deficiencies don't always show up um, on the leaf. You know, it might be nitrogen deficient, but it's not showing up on the leaf. And so you may not see a nutrient deficiency uh, until it's too late if you're looking at it that way. But I can look at that NDVI imagery, maybe go out and take a tissue sample in those areas and see that hidden hunger that's there as far as a nutrient deficiency. And so those two things really work well together um, as far as that goes. But as far as boots on the ground, it's still very critical to have those boots on the ground because, uh, for example, on stand counts, if I'm looking at a bean field and I got a good stand count from Tyrannus, it's going to identify the plants that are up. But if maybe there's really thick residue over the top of those beans, it's not going to see those. And a drone can't just kick out, kick the residue <laughs> yep. over off the ground to see if there's anything coming up. And so uh, it's still pretty critical that that agronomist goes out there and checks it out. And so what we found is that the agronomists are more efficient with their time when they go out to the fields. Uh, they don't have to spend 
all their time looking over the whole field, worried about what they're going to miss. Uh, rather, they look at the scouting from Trannis first, then go out there and possibly even go out there with the customer, you know, in a UTV together and look at what they're seeing. And be like, yes, this this is an issue. You need to repaint here, or no, nah, there's still some coming up. It's not a big deal. We'll we'll keep an eye on it, but it looks like we'll be okay. And so they just it, it tells them where to go uh, to help them be more efficient with the time. And maybe they don't even need to look at every field. They just need to look at the ones that they think are a problem. And other conversations with consultants out there, I, th- I feel like a lot of them are kind of in that same boat. They feel like the imagery is super, super helpful, but they never never want to turn it just strictly over to a, a sensor yeah. or to an image. So, Yeah. And the thing about our agronomists is a key part of their job is that relationship building with the customer. And, and if they're spending all their time out in the field looking at crops, it takes them away from being in front of the customer. And so you can kind of relate it back to the health field. The doctor doesn't take your blood pressure. The doctor doesn't uh, test your reflexes necessarily. They don't take your height and weight. The nurse does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where these drone pilots come in. They're kind of taking the place of, of the nurse doing a lot of that groundwork. Diagnostics. The, the agronomist, yeah. yep, the, the agronomist comes in later, looks at the, the information makes the decisions, and then kind of goes over the, that prescription with the, with the farmer and what needs to happen next. Sure. And so that's, I think that's been the biggest thing. That, that's really kind of what got me started with the terrain of scouting was trying to find a solution to free our agronomist up to keep them from being out in the field all day, every day. Sure. What do you, and what do you feel like the role is of a consultant or agronomist out there in terms of translating these precision ag technologies because we have a lot of them out there but the adoption as we all know is pretty low i mean what it really is that role of that that agronomist right now and in, in trying to translate precision ag to the farm um you know i think it's critical to have precision ag guys just like me you know digital ag guys whose only job it is to figure out these technologies i've been in that sales agronomist role and when you're trying to learn all these new technologies on top of scouting, on top of making the prescriptions to the farmer, it's a lot of work and, and your mind's getting pulled a hundred different ways. And so it's kind of a team effort. And I think that's something we really do well at Ag Partners is, is their team effort. But we have, you know, me bringing the technology to them and then they don't have to figure it all out. I help them, you know, get the simple stuff that they need and then they take the information to the farmer. Uh, I provide the information, and then they're the mediator that really takes it to them um, to to go that next level. Mm-hmm. And so I think the sales agronomist um, role is really just uh, scan through your scouting images and and define um, what things can be done with like the orientees of drones. Um, they're in the job of finding solutions. And, and I'm just the, the means of the solution, I guess, with the technology. Yeah, it seemed uh, Zach and I were kind of talking a little bit before we got on here, just thinking about kind of consultants. We, we haven't had a ton of like consultant or agronomist or digital, you know, specialist people come on the show. And it seems like, you know, with the adoption of these precision ag technologies being so low for farmers, it's almost like there needs to be somebody that, that is mm-hmm. being that bridge between the technology and and the farm and showing them you know how it can be used effectively yeah there's just 
farmers only have so much time in the day. You know, I, I help my dad farm on the side and, and their focus is that business side of things. You know, they're trying to make sure they're making money. They're trying to make sure they keep their animals alive. They're trying to make sure they get the planting done, the harvest done, and a timely manner get the spraying done. They only have so much time to, to go out and look into these other technologies. And then just to figure them out, I mean, it's a lot of time and stress to try to figure them out, especially when they're brand new. Um, and so having that third party, that, that trusted uh, retailer or advisor that you work with, having them do some of that legwork, it's a big deal to them. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have to learn all these new technologies. They just have to have someone that's really good at doing it. Uh, and I'll say like, anytime I've shown them some of the train of scouting or the Rantizo application, most guys are like, yeah, hell, we've seen drones before. You know, that, what, what's different? And then as soon as they see that, that big Rantizo drone uh, applying uh, pesticide across the field, they're like, they're all amazed. Yeah. And, and they're all taking pictures, sending the pictures to the kids, sending the pictures <laughs> to their friends. And be like, hey, look at this. Look, look what we've got going on here. Yeah. The future of farming. And so uh, I, I can say honestly say that I, I haven't had a single customer that we haven't impressed with, awesome. with these technologies. That's really cool. So thinking, you know, back into kind of the, the crop protection space and how it's being executed right now, we have all these new technologies. We have the Tyrannus, we have the Rantizo and all this. What do you think are still some of the existing gaps that you could fill with technology? And, or like, if you had one technology to add to the mix, what do you think that might be? Uh, I'm pl- placing my bets on... Uh, autonomous weed control or even fertilization. You know, if if we get these small machines that can go out and, and do some of this, even if it's mechanical weeding, um, I think it makes everyone's job a little easier. And I, I, I kind of think that's the next step. And you can even be more precise with that. If you have mechanical weed control, you don't have the issues with weed resistance. Mm-hmm. Um and, and you don't necessarily have this uh, gap between the consumer and the producer as far as, you know, pesticides and what you use. And so I, I think that's going to be the next big area. And, and it's kind of similar to what we're doing with a drone. You know, it, it may not necessarily replace that ground rig. I think you're still going to need a good residual out there. Otherwise, you're going to have a mess. Um, but if you can get some weed control with smaller machines, I think that's going to be a big deal. And even, you know, nutrient um, application, if you could, you know, go in between the rows and spread nutrients or even a cover crop seed underneath the rows, uh, I think that could be a next big deal. Yeah. I I know there's a lot, I know there's a lot of groups out there. I know I've seen universities working on these. I've seen uh, certain companies trying to bring stuff to the table and, and I, I think they're probably still five years out, but um, I think when that comes, I think that's going to be a game changer. One thing we like to do in every interview is ask what a piece of advice, you know, you have about some particular topic. And, and I guess the piece of advice I would ask for is for somebody who's looking to kind of get into this digital ag consultant role or for a farmer, you know, that these, these people who are kind of exploring these new technologies and getting ready to take a step into this next generation, what would be your advice for the mindset they need to have as they approach these technologies that are coming onto the market? Uh, I think to be patient. 
I think that's my piece of advice. That's fair. Because yeah. um, with these new technologies, they're not always going to work 100% of the time. And so just having patience and not giving up when it doesn't work that first time that they do it, or even the second time, you know, keep at it and, and, and keep looking at it because uh, I, I think they're going to find that um, some of these technologies have a specific use. And so like on drones, drones have been out now, what, five, 10 years. Mm. And there's a lot of excitement around them. So that was going to change the way things were done. And then a couple of years later, you know, guys were, all they were doing was taking pictures of corn, of their fields or of their yeah. equipment. And maybe looking at some down corn, but it wasn't until a few years later that, you know, we really got it fine tuned. And so I've been with Tyrannus for several years in that first year, you know, they had some cool things, but um, we had to work on some things. And so if you're patient with that company and you trust that company's direction that they're going, be patient with them. They'll be patient with you. And, and I think you'll have a better relationship moving forward. Um, and that's the same for farmers. You know, if they find a, a company that they like working with, a retailer that they like working with, be patient with them and don't just jump the fence because Let's just say you're you're working with like a climate field viewer, even our competitor, if you're working with a granular, you know, if you're working with them and they decide if you get mad at one thing that happened and try to switch to another company, you just lose pretty much all that data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're if you're patient with them and and stay with them, I think, you know, I think it'll pay off. If you trust the direction that they're going, do the research on right. where they're going first. And then make your decision to jump in. But then once you jump in, be patient. Yeah, yeah. Allow it to play out. <laughs> Don't let one bad yeah. thing on one bad field in one year be the the sole determining yep. factor. Yep. Thank you very much to Ethan Knoll of Ag Partners Cooperative for taking the time to join us here on the Farm Bits podcast. It was kind of fun to hear his perspective on on some new technology that's coming out, particularly in the crop protection space. I think one of my favorite things in the episode was hearing him talk about what exactly makes an interface really fun to work with, uh, and, and also what he thinks people really how how people really need to approach uh, a new technology such as these for crop protection and, and really understanding how to use them, um, and also just being patient, understanding that there will be some trials and tribulations early on in the uh, in the process of learning a new technology. Yeah, and he was using uh, new technologies for a wide range of applications in crop protection and agronomy. I liked how he discussed uh, insect pest management, fungicide applications, uh, crop nutrient deficiencies, quite a wide range of issues he was tackling with, with this new technology. Absolutely, and you know, it sounds like they're really doing a lot to help growers in that area. So I look forward to seeing what uh, what he's able to advance with next, and, and how the adoption of these technologies goes. Thank you again to Ethan. Uh, really enjoyed that episode, and we look forward to bringing you another episode focused on precision crop protection next week. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. 
Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We'd like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect reviews of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits. Oh,